Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, this is the show where we celebrate the animals that we love that are family. And uh, for most of us, they may be dogs, cats, fish, birds, horses. But for one lady, it's a duck. Yeah, she, a she duck? Has, she has a pet duck. Why not? And she's going to be joining us on the show today to tell us what it's like to have a pet duck in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, let's see. Oh, it is also week four of our new pet product special featuring the latest goodies and gadgets for your, you and your pets. And we'll have giveaways today of uh, today's item. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? There's some interesting new research out that um, there's nothing definitive yet, but there are hints, and they are studying it. If it's possible that by you kissing your pet, you could make that pet heavier. What? (laughs) Unhealthily fat. Yes. Isn't that, it all has to do with a microbiome in your gut, what's in your gut, the bacteria in your gut. And it's called a, a microbe transfer. Really? So, yeah, or a microbe swap. Wow. Have you ever and, heard of this, Dr. Debbie? Well, I've actually heard of the studies in people where they studied the microbiome of people that were notoriously on the obese side versus those of slender people. And they could actually transfer the microbiome from one population to the other and actually cause a physical change in their weight. Um, so it is pretty, pretty cool stuff uh-huh. when, you, when you start looking down at that level. Oh, that wow. explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, go to the phones for your calls. Hi, Anita. Hello. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing good, thank you. Where are you calling you? from? I'm awesome. I'm calling from Reading, Pennsylvania. I love you guys in Reading, guys and gals. You love your animals so much. Yes, but I'm not an animal person. You're not an animal. <laughs> oh, person. you're not. Oh, <laughs> I don't. I don't have animals, but I don't hate them. Okay, well, that's okay. I, I like I like animals who belong to other people. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm the same way with children. Okay. <laughs> so what's going on? I have. Um, Cats that run the neighborhood and are using my doormat as a litter box. Oh. So I was okay. wondering how to deter them and how to get the smell out. Oh, dear. Okay. So they're using a mat in front of your door? Yes. Huh. Interesting. So, And you don't have any pets? Have there ever been pets that have lived in your home? Oh, 60-some years ago. Oh, gosh. So nothing my, recently. My brother had to get rid of his dog when I was born Oh, okay. All right. So because finding out if we have pets that have been in the house is important because certainly there are scents involved with pets that are indoors and many outdoor cats will tend to mark around the territories of other cats. If that's not any part of your equation here, then we're kind of at the challenge and a little bit of the um, the mercy of people who do allow their cats outside. Um, so cats that are outside, you know, do all of what they need to do outside. So they're hunting, they're marking their territory, they're seeking out food, they're playing, and your yard um, has just become part of this playground for them. So um, I often will start the whole conversation with trying to speak with your neighbors first about this concern and this problem, because um, if we can have some reasonable um, 
efforts on their end to try to contain their cats, um, that's that's a big thing. And, and certainly, you know, there, there's the whole argument about cats that are outdoor killing off wildlife, um, but then there's also the public health side of things as well. So, well, there's so I'll many s- of them, and I live in the city in a row home, so I have no idea who these cats belong to. Mm, I see. I see. So the the trick is that um, we can try to deter cats from. Uh, Chair, you know, coming on your property. Um, but that may be uh, with mixed results. So some of the things that I keep in mind is that if you have the ability to do things that can provide some kind of deterrent when you're not there, then, then that's a, um, that's a more useful to pair the pet coming on the chair, ter- on your territory along with some kind of deterrent and in a humane way as well. Um, right. so there are different products that we can look at. One of the, that I think in the veterinary world, we've had the most, um, use and I know a lot of colleagues have had great success with is the uh, Scarecrow, which is a motion-activated sprinkler system. Um, so if you have that ability to have access to water in that area nearby, it can be a great thing. So basically they come into the area, set off the little electronic eye, and then a sprinkler goes off, and it just deters them from trading in that area. There are also yeah, products the front that... Door. Yeah, so but, you know... To get to the front door, they have to somehow access that. So that would be where you would orient this kind of thing. So we're not going to be able to put a water source up there. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, to um, the entry point to have that. Now, there's also products that work with a similar fashion that also have, um, like, compressed air. And there's one uh, called SCAT, I believe, which is also motion-activated. They're little canisters, and they give off a, a blast of air. You know, like kind of like that. Uh-huh. So that that's a kind of thing that you can use as well. And of course, your entry and exit from the home have to be taken into consideration if you're using these kind of products. Right. Um, other, other things that we do look at, and then this is where we start to get to, um, I don't want to say less and less efficacy, but you know, we have to have real realistic expectations when we use things like citruses. Cats, um, of all the different odors that cats are drawn to or that they're repelled by, citrus has been one that has actually been uh, studied when we look at litter box um, uh, use and what we can avoid as far as a cleanser in the litter box. So research has shown that citrus is not favored by cats. Um, So there are a lot of efforts at making repellents out of these. So, you know, some people will, you can buy them online. Other folks will take just the lemon peel orange peels, use those as a deterrent, or even making up a, a, a mix of a spray that you can use in the area. Okay. Um, so so th- that's certainly something you can look at. And, and if you do have the ability, like in kind of areas where you can kind of... Um, block off um, areas around the porch where they might be stepping. You can use some just some kind of deterrence, um, things like chicken wire. Um, you know, if you lay that flat along the ground, it just doesn't feel good when they step on it. it doesn't necessarily hurt them, but they don't like it. So if okay. you have that where you could put a perimeter around the um, the porch, that might also be uh, something else you can look at. What about black so those, pepper? Um, you know, I have not had any necessary success with black pepper. Okay. Um, Likewise, you know, there's a lot of the things they sell online, you know, ultrasonic uh, pet deterrents. I have not found those to be useful at all. (laughs) The other thing, though, that I should mention is um, predator urine. And, um, you know, some folks, you know, feel that that does help. Um, So you go to your local hunting fishing store um, and they'll have like coyote urine, um, something like that. And you can basically kind of treat the area around the porch with that as another means of deterrent. Um, Should you get rid of her mat? at all i mean it's since it's already been soaked yeah oh with gosh a new one. <laughs> yeah that's oh, yeah, a great point that that is going what, yeah what about cayenne pepper 
You know, I haven't found that in cats that necessarily deters them, um, or if it does deter them, they just walk right around it. So, um, you know, I guess I'd be a little concerned that you'd have to put enough to deter a cat at, you know, on the porch. Um, okay. But no, I haven't found that to be a real useful thing. Even with dogs, sometimes I have dogs that will eat things that you can treat with cayenne pepper. <laughs> well, back to the coyote urine, um, mm-hmm. wouldn't that give off a pungent odor? It can. Oh, yeah. So then your face was smelling pee from another creature. So, okay. yeah. So um, we're talking but, at the door entryway right yeah. into the house. I, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't right. want it drug into the house then. Yeah. So actually, all of those things that I've mentioned, we're really not looking at putting that in front of your door. So, so we have to think of your porch as a zone. It's not just the few feet right in front of your door. There's a whole area that that encompasses. So that's what we're talking about treating. So yeah, mm-hmm. use your common sense. We're not going to ask you to put coyote urine right on, you know, in front of your doorstep. Um, if you do, you know where you put it. <laughs> but, you know, I do think Hal brings up a great point is that, you know, odors. Odors bring back um, cats to the site of <laughs> scene of the crime, if you will. So we do need to eliminate that mat. And then um, for areas we want to get urine odor out, we use enzyme-based cleaners that are appropriate for dog and cat um, urine waste and, and, and fecal waste. So you can get those at a pet store. Um, those okay. you actually clean the area of any kind of uh, residue, debris, whatever, and then you use the uh, enzymatic-based cleaner and you spray it. And most of those products you leave to dry, air dry on there. You don't wipe them off. Um, but okay. that will help to enzymatically break down the chemistry associated with the odor as well. And okay. Nature's Miracle is one that we use. It's pretty good. And then, of course, uh, I'm thinking that we have a, a little dog that gets rid of the cats in our yard. So maybe it's time <laughs> to get a little dog. That would be nice, but I like to travel, so that's not fair to the animal. <laughs> well, you can travel with a little one. <laughs> <laughs> Anita, uh, I hope some of these work for you. Let us know. Keep us posted. And let us know how it's going, will you? I'm going to try the orange peel first. Give it a shot. And get rid of the old one, yes. I thank you very much. Take care, Anita. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home at the vet, and everywhere in between, visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A little terrier named Millie has been nicknamed Sparky after biting through an electrical cable and surviving a 240-volt shock. Sparky bit through a refrigerator cable and was thrown across the room, and the shock damaged the roof of her mouth, leaving her with severe burns and swollen lips. She was given a 50-50 chance of surviving, but after some antibiotics, having four blackened teeth removed, and some tender loving care, Sparky pulled through. Experts suggest hiding all exposed electrical cords from pets, especially younger dogs and pet rabbits. I'm thinking Sparky's going to be sticking to rawhide from now on. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animal 
Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143-That's 800-689-0143. Hello, this is Loretta Swift, and I'm on Animal Radio. And please don't forget to stay and neuter. Hey, it's Alan Cable. Today we're going to talk about dog behaviors, the most common ones that people have to deal with. Number one, barking. Most dogs bark. That's just a fact of life. But if your dog is barking all the time, before you can correct it, you got to find out what's causing it. There's a lot of different reasons. Sometimes your dog is bored or he's anxious. Sometimes he's barking at other dogs or warning someone to stay away. And sometimes he's just playing or excited. Once you figure out why your dog barks, you can start to deal with it. I'll tell you one thing. A happy dog is a tired dog. Make sure your dog gets plenty of Exercise. Don't pay attention to your dog when your dog's barking. Don't pet him, hug him, give him treats, feed him any of that stuff because that encourages your dog to keep barking. That says, hey, I'm doing a good thing here. Yelling at your dog doesn't work either because, again, you're giving your dog attention and that may make him bark even more. What you want to do is when your dog is barking, give your dog a quick correction. You can clap, say the word quiet very sternly, quiet. Or have a collar and a leash on and just give them a little jolt, a little snap of the wrist. And while you're doing this, again, use the word quiet. As soon as your dog starts being quiet, you say, good dog. Even give your dog a treat. In general, you want to give your dog affection and reward when your dog is calm and quiet. That encourages your dog to be mellow. You want to reward your dog for behaving the way you want and ignore and correct your dog when your dog's behaving the way you don't want him to. Don't rile your dog up to, oh, good dog, good dog, and pet him like crazy. You just want to say, good dog dog and be mellow yourself. Here's another dog behavior people have to deal with, chewing. That's a natural behavior for dogs, but you want to teach your dog what to chew, or else your dog will rip your house apart. Most common reasons dogs chew things is because they get bored, or they get anxious, they have anxiety, they're curious, because that's how dogs learn about the world, or they're a puppy and they're teething. So you gotta be there, and as soon as your dog makes a move to chew the wrong thing, like your favorite chew, you give him a quick correction with the word no, and then stick something in his mouth he's allowed to chew. Then when he chews it, you say, good dog. Dog. You know, it's a lot like training a husband. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Uh, coming up this hour, we're going to talk to a guy who's just, he's a nut butt is what he is. He's crazy. He locked himself inside his car during uh, really hot temperatures just to see what it would be like. If, oh. hot, if the dog was in there. I believe it got up to like 108 degrees and oh. he had to get out of there. I can't imagine. I sit there with the windows open and it's hot. It's all to prove a point, to bring attention to the, uh, well, you know, you, you hear it every year. Mm-hmm. It's all about the dogs that, uh, and cats and other animals that just can't. 
tolerate the, the heavy-duty weather. And last week, Dr. Debbie, you had a story about one of these dogs that wasn't locked inside a car, was just mm-hmm. sitting outside in the hot temperature and got heat exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. And, and unfortunately, that pet did pass away from mm. heat stroke. Mm. Um, but yeah, and you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, the super duper hot temperatures. You know, really, if they have other factors, like their health, yeah, oh. humidity, um, excitement. If they're running around, they're very anxious, um, they're panting, they're, they're running and very active. Um, all of those things together combined with high temperatures can cause them to have a problem. So, uh, yeah, and heat stroke happens at night, too. And that's that's something in the Vegas area we talk about all the time. Wow. You know, really anything over 80, 82 degrees, you know, if you have decreased um, ventilation, high humidity, and high excitement, you really need to be on the watch. So if it's over 82 degrees, you're... Yes, I, I'm cautious for it, yeah. Okay, absolutely. so it doesn't have to be into the hundreds or anything like that. No, no, it really depends on all those other factors. Because there's some places in the country where, you know, you could have, you know, 100% humidity, 82 degrees, and if the pet is out running or goes jogging with the pet owner um, on a, following them on a bicycle, they can have heat stroke, absolutely. Uh, Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? I've got a couple of things going on here. We'll talk about the average amounts that uh, consumers are spending on their pets and uh, probably find out that you are above average. That's on the way in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. It gives me great honor to present to you the dog father, Joey Volani on Animal Radio. How are you doing today? You're in a good mood. I'm putting lotion on on my skin. I'm dry. My skin is dry for some reason. So that's what I'm doing um, as you're talking to me, in case you haven't noticed. I'm applying lotion. But um, so so anyway, that being said, because <laughs> Hal has like a question mark over his head, um, wondering um, you know what I'm talking it about. It smells so good too. It does. It does. You know, Saint Saint Ives. Um, you know, oatmeal and shea butter. But um, hey, you know what? I I, I um, found a really cool stat out. A stat um, out that I wanted to share with everyone. And what they say is pets that are groomed regularly. And we say regularly, we're talking about every, um, you know, four to six weeks. Or at home, you know, brushed at least, um, you know, once a week. Live longer and have better temperaments. And what they say that it's 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 twofold. Number one, just keeping the pet clean is um, hygienically um, better, and also it's a way for you to find you know certain things on your pet, whether it be parasites or warts or lumps and you know bumps, whatever. You know you you inspect the dog a little bit more. Also, it's a really good way of bonding. It's a way of showing affection and love. And um, you know usually if it's if it's done on a regular basis, it's, it's comforting. It's not as if the dog is knotted and you're trying to um you know brush out mats and tangles and making it a um, bad experience but they say that um, most pets have at least um two more years of life um the ones that are groomed um more often so go out and get your pets groomed or just go buy a brush and and um you know bond with your pet at home yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be take them to joey and spend that kind of money to get it could be just correct yeah just Correct. pull just, out the just, old Furminator just, and then uh, bond with them. Exactly, but, exactly. And, you know, the bonding with them, I, I can see how that can extend their life because it extends my life. Just being calm and then one with the animal. and uh, oh. In fact, you know what? I want to go pet my cat now. <laughs> Where's that That's, brush? Okay. Go, 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 get, go brush the cat. Yeah. 
There you go, Joey Volani right here on Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Nabo from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, you may not realize how much you spend on your pets every year, but collectively, all of us as Americans. Well, early estimates predict American spending on pet food, other supplies, including vet visits, could top $69 billion this year. That's according to the American Pet Products Association. Around $28 billion of that chunk is spent on just pet food, with that number expected to continue to increase a lot. Because according to new research from Global Data, half of all pet owners are opting for more clean eating options for their pets. Or, or plainly put, they're looking for higher quality, more natural pet food without the additives and, you know, complicated industrial type ingredients. But it is not just pet food that we spend on. Other big expenses include vet care, the average dog owner spending $551 a year on surgical vet visits, plus an extra $235 on routine checkups. Now, if you're an average spender, and I, I bet you're way above average. Uh, your yearly boarding fees run about $333. You likely spend another $83 on grooming, $62 on vitamins and supplements a year, and close to $50 a year just on toys. I spend more than that. <laughs> I, I, I am way it's probably the only thing in my life that I'm above average on is spending <laughs> on my toys. pets. <laughs> toys, food, all of it, you name it. Supermodel Christy Brinkley is getting into the booming pet business, too, now, since she became a spokesperson this summer for Purina's new dog and cat food line for aging pets. Uh, we know that pets help get us moving, right? And that increases our physical activity. But what about the other physical health benefits? Well, in one ongoing study now at UC San Diego, researchers are working with 17 lucky senior citizens who agreed to be part of a randomized trial and the chance to receive a dog in the name of science. Then they and their new dog have to undergo months of regular health checkups in which both of their fecal samples, the human and the dog, 
are being studied to observe changes in their gut microbes. Researchers are looking for their microbiome changes in response to less stress or decreased cortisol levels and say they will have some results from this study this year. Well, meanwhile, other researchers are looking into the connection between having a pet and obesity. They, too, are interested in gut health and trying to find out if certain microbial swaps. That would be to gross Dr. Debbie out a kiss or a lick with your pet, and if that might help or it might hurt when it comes to weight problems in both people and pets. Current evidence suggests that heavier people have heavier pets, which some scientists believe could be due to these microbial swaps or kisses from a human to a dog. And it may sound far-fetched, but here are some early hints that uh, fat microbe transfers are absolutely possible. They say studies in the past few years do suggest that we can make mice fatter or thinner by transferring microbes from fatter or thinner people to the animal. Wow. I'm looking for the skinniest person in the room (laughs) to come over and kiss me right now, okay? (laughs) Have you guys heard about the calf born in Texas that looks like reality star Gene Simmons from the 70s rock band <laughs> oh, Kiss. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's hysterical. She's a dead ringer for the singer in his Kiss stage makeup with uh, these pointy marks around her eyes because he's the one who has the, the three things that go up in points like yeah. right over his eyebrows. Well, this calf has been named Jeannie as a tribute to Simmons, and we will post a side-by-side comparison picture of both of them on our website so you can see for yourself. Oh, my. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. I'm trying to figure out which one's actually Gene Simmons. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. What's the one on the right, huh? Yeah, I can't tell which is which. We're looking at pictures of it right now. Isn't that adorable? You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Hi, John. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, evening, whatever. How are you doing today, John? Where are you calling from? Uh, North Carolina. Very good. I have Dr. Debbie right here. Hopefully she can help you. What's going on with your pet? Okay, I've got a 12-year-old, or a little older than 12, cockapoo. Okay. And she, she's got warts. Okay. Got three, three of them that are pretty fair size, maybe as big as the end of your little finger. All right. All right. And where are these located at? On her side, upper side. Now, I've had her to the vet. Okay. And the vet wants that wants to put her sleep and surgically remove them. Uh, well, her age worries me about putting her sleep. Okay. Well, I'll tell you my spin on things. Um, age by itself doesn't scare me. 
um, what scares me is the overall health status of a pet. So if we have a senior pet, I'm a little more cautious about anesthesia. I want to make sure it's the best choice for the animal and that they're in good health going into it. But I'm not necessarily, with older pets, just afraid of it. What I would say, the first, the first thought I think of when we talk about warts in dogs, and some breeds are definitely more prone to these little things, uh, poodles, shih tzus, lassa opsas, Mm -hmm. they they tend to have these, what kind of look like what we call warts in people. And it's important to know that they're not the same thing. Um, they're really not viral warts. Generally, they're skin tumors. And and in 98% of the cases, they're benign. So that kind of tells us, okay, we can relax a little bit and think about what's the (laughs) best check. Um, my vet told me. Good, good. So the thing that I usually do is when I look at warts on dogs, I look at where they're located, if they're bothering the pet, and and how many we really have. Um, I'm not always very anxious to knock a pet out under general anesthesia to take warts off unless it's really warranted, meaning that we've got some tough areas to work on that we can't do with a, a pet awake and doing a local anesthetic. So for me, number one thing I do for warts is if they're in a friendly location, and I say anywhere on the torso is friendly for me, I can usually remove that in a dog awake. Um, some dogs need a little sedative if possible, but that's a nice area to work on with a local anesthetic, and I, I try to accomplish that if at all possible. But well, there are some are, that if... One of these, the biggest one, the largest one of the, of the three, is on her front shoulder, the upper part of her front shoulder. So it's wide open spaces. Okay, yeah. If it's a, like you said, wide open spaces are, are friendly for a local anesthetic, and I'm all game for that. Now, I will tell you, I had a, oh, gosh, I think it was 15-year-old boy that had a wart right between his eyes, and I put off surgery on that dog as long as I could, um, and he had about 10 other ones elsewhere. But because of that one between his eyes, we had to knock him out. We had no choice. It was just becoming a problem, and it was crusting and bleeding. And, you know, by golly, you know, he got through anesthesia wonderfully. But it was a good choice for the pet because of all those other factors. It was becoming a problem. So um, I guess my feeling is if, if it's not bothering your pet and it's not in an area that's a real difficult area to work with, I, I'd ask your vet if, if this could be something you could take off with just a little local anesthetic and save you the heartache and save your pet the trouble of having to go under anesthesia. Um, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, maybe I'm just kind of looking at things simply, but I think that's just if it's a simple answer, I'm all for it. Okay, but there's not a, there's not a, a type of medication or like compound w for a person no absolutely not because it's not the same thing so yeah it's not caused by a virus it's actual a tumor in most cases they're tumors of the sebaceous glands little glands within the skin so yeah don't put anything on there don't yeah don't try to take it off yourself because i've had people try that and then they come in bleeding like a pig so uh yeah so so don't do the home doctor and thing but yeah i i think it would be something that you know probably not a high priority but um you know groomers hate these things because they go clipping a pet and boy they hit them that they try their best to avoid them and i'm sure joey can attest to it that they just they're just problematic so if it is a uh, problem area or it's getting to bother your pet uh, i'd say let's let's lop this sucker off there (laughs) That's what we're going to do. We're going to pop it off. Thank you, John, for your call. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Alan Cable, here's your real dogs doing amazing things. Watch. You wouldn't think he's 10 years old just by the way he acts. 
Tucker gets into a lot of trouble. Known in the family to be the food burglar. And because of that, an amazing secret that was hiding in Tucker's belly is about to be revealed to the world. After I turn around, the popsicle is gone. Tucker ate it sticking all. You know, smacking his jaws. But you know, with dogs, often what goes in comes right back out. Sticking all, everything came out. Two days later, something else came out. And I look in the paper towel, and here is my wedding ring. I kid you not. My wedding ring? Her ring went missing five years ago. I was devastated. The vet thinks the popsicle stick may have dislodged the ring. Friends have said, I want a dog that throws up diamonds. Like, who doesn't, right? So I have my wedding ring back, and Tucker is... (laughs) He's my hero. Hero? That dog's a jewel thief. And I don't even care. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-472-0658. 800-472-0658. That's 800-472-0658. Hi, this is Iron Chef Cat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. This is Animal Radio. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Hey, Hal. How are you? Very good. Steve Bernoulli joining us. Steve, what do you do for a living? Uh, I am the uh, communications officer for Contra Costa County Animal Services. So you did something pretty crazy, <laughs> pretty pretty much to bring attention to the, the hot temperatures and, <laughs> and having your pets outside. We were just talking with Dr. Debbie. If it's over 82 degrees outside, that can be a hazard for your animals, even if they're not in the car. What did you do? You locked yourself in a car? Yeah. Um, you know, we had, uh, here in California, we had a new law that went into effect um, on January 1st of this year, it basically allows people to take um, more direct action um, if they see an animal that's in distress in a car with um, very poor, you know, ventilation. The windows just cracked a bit on a very hot day. Essentially, what the law says is you could take action to rescue that animal um, from the car. There was a lot of confusion around the law. Um, I think some people thought you could just go up and you know break a window and and you know you satisfied the requirements. There are steps you have to take both before and after you take any action. And so we wanted to build awareness about that. But as um, an animal uh, control agency for a county of over 1.3 million people, uh, we were really getting a lot of calls this year about uh, animals that were locked in hot cars, um, people calling in distress, some people calling um, to say that they'd actually taken action. And in some cases, our officers having to go out to either rescue or to retrieve animals that have become deceased uh, as a result of being in a hot car. So what is the protocol? So essentially, uh, for the new law, Yes. It basically says that um, before you take any action, if you see an animal in a car and it's a hot day and the animal looks like it's in distress, first you need to verify um, that the owner isn't around, um, they're, that they're not you know, standing a few feet away and, and you just don't recognize that they're there. You have to make a good faith effort to um, find 
the owner. Um, you have to also make sure that there's no other way to enter the vehicle other than by using force. Um, also prior, you need to contact local law enforcement. So you need to either contact, you know, if you were in Contra Costa County, you would either contact us at Contra Costa Animal Services. You could also call 911 and report it to the police. Um, and then they'll tell you, you know, what their ETA is to get there. And then at that point, you can make the decision what you need to do um, to save that animal. And then um, once you've exhausted those three means, you can take action. Uh, we always recommend that people just remember that, you know, you're coming into an animal space here. So while you're, you know, taking action um, that, you know, may be rescuing that animal, that animal may not be aware of that. And, and so you always need to keep yourself safe as well uh, when you're doing that. And then once you've taken those actions, you have to stay at the scene. You have to wait for local uh, animal control or the police to get there um, and or the owner. Yeah. So don't break the window. The door may be open. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> always, you know, generally a good rule of thumb to operate by. Yeah. So you, uh, how long did you stay in the car and how hot did it get in the car? Uh, so I was in there for about um, 20 minutes. Wow. And, um, you know, I think at its hottest, it got up to around 118 inside Woo. the car. And we Jeez. were looking at about 98, 99 on the outside of the car. Now, here's the thing. When we did it for real, which was that day that we had the news stations down there, the gap was only about maybe 20, point, 20 uh, temperature points between what the outside temperature and what the inside temperature is. Um, a couple of members of my staff thought that if this was a real simulation, people would have had the air conditioning on prior. However, so we had the air conditioning on when we did the, the live take. We did a dry run a couple of weeks before, and it was about 147 in the car with an outside temperature of about 98, 99 degrees. It was so much different when the air conditioning wasn't on. And I even, um, you know, uh, I blacked out a little after getting out of the car that day. And so that, that's also the reason why people wanted to, you know, get the air conditioning on prior to doing it, you know, when we went live. We wanted to make sure, you know, everybody was safe. We had our officers on hand. We had our uh, EMS trained officers on hand to make sure that, um, you know, if there, if anything did go awry with heat exhaustion or anything, we were, we had a controlled environment and a safe environment. The whole idea here was to um, promote education and awareness that's going to save pets' lives. If, if we hurt ourselves doing it in the process, that's, you know, that, that's not the way we should be doing it. Mm, okay. My team and I, we looked at the videos of the celebrities and the athletes um, that have done similar things. And, uh, you know, as far as educational component with that, you were getting that they were in the car for a period of time and it was hot. We wanted to go above and beyond. We wanted to tell people, you know, what they could do to, you know, keep an animal safe if they see it in that situation, as well as um, going through the effects that it has on an animal's body um, while we're in there. So uh, all in all, I think it was a, a good success. It got a really good reception. And, and you know, our main uh, hope is that, you know, people actually took away the educational elements from it, and, and we're going to get less calls as a result for animals in hot sure, cars. Sure. Well, I salute you, Steve Berto, the spokesman for Contra Costa Animal Services. We'll link to the video over at AnimalRadio.pet. Thanks, Steve, for hanging with us. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. And we're just about 10 minutes away from a check in the newsroom with Lori Brooks. What's going on? 
Uh, some people, like humans, have been doing lately not wanting to get their little ones vaccinated. Some people not wanting to get their pets vaccinated. We'll find out about that. And uh, we love these you know, cross-species stories about animals. And we'll tell you about some baby hedgehogs and what kind of an animal it was that dared to nurse them. I think I know. Those are little prickly things, right? (laughs) You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Fido Friendly Magazine and media sponsor Animal Radio presents the 15th Annual Cross Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66 with help from hotel sponsors Stony Creek Hotels and advocate sponsors Hands On Gloves, Embrace Pet Insurance, and campground sponsor KOA. The tour travels from L.A. to Chicago for six weeks, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events and to raise money for the shelters. Community sponsors Tito's Vodka for Dog People, Susie's Pet Treats, and Brutus Bone Broth also provide prizes attendees can win with their donation to the shelter. In the first 14 years, the tour has helped to place over 18,000 pets into new forever homes. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to see where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you might just find your new forever friend. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Dr. Debbie, you see a lot of animals, especially since it's uh, Las Vegas, you see a lot of different breeds and, and different species. Do you deal with any ducks? Oh my gosh, we see a ton of ducks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, some are pets, but we actually have some, uh, different, um, bodies of water, some little ponds and lakes that are in some of the home housing areas nearby. So we do see their community birds. But you know people and you have clients that are, that have them as pets. Sure. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did not realize huh. this was such a popular thing. Yeah. Well, sometimes they start off as like, you know, a backyard bird, but then they kind of start to like the personality and, you know, the socialization with them. So they, they get to be more than just that pet that they throw food at, you know. Yeah, I understand. They're very social animals. And this hour, we're going to talk to a lady who has a diva duck. And <laughs> apparently she takes this duck to Walmart and Target and wherever. And I believe she's trying to train it to be a... Uh, Volunteer. Like a therapy? Like a therapy, a therapy yes. therapy duck. Yeah. Therapy duck. It's uh, interesting. <laughs> so we're going to find out a little more with her in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Oh, i got some stories about uh, people who are trying to scam you over your pet. It's all pet-related fraud, and they are just getting, the people who are committing these crimes are getting so bold. We'll tell you how the, some of them work and what to look out for. Okay, more pet scams that you need to be aware of. That's coming up in just a few minutes with Lori Brooks at the bottom of the hour. Which one are we going to? Let's go to line two. Okay, Todd. Hey, Todd. I just, she didn't tell me which one to go to. I just, is this Todd? Yes, sir. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Todd? Very good. I'm very good. How got a question I... for Dr. Debbie. Okay. Well, hey, I'm right here. Excellent. I have got an African gray that allows us to live in our house with him. Uh, we love our little <laughs> birdie. Isn't that the truth, though? <laughs> His name is Tiki. We've had him about three years now. When we first got him, love him, adorable little pet, would love to be loved, and his head scratched and all that. 
and he's developed a bad habit of uh, suckering you in with his low head down when you come in, and then he bites. He bites good and hard. Mm-hmm. And we can't get him through the nipping stage, and it's not just a nip, he draws blood. Oh, well, and this is a big problem. These guys are very clever, and like you said, uh, he's permitting you to live in his home, so he is patterning your behavior to that of which he desires. Now, yeah. I have to ask you, do, do you guys handle him as far as does he sit on your shoulder? Do you have him out interacting, or is he more um, a, a bird you don't handle a whole lot? He's, he's handled a lot. I wouldn't put him on my shoulder because I like my earlobes. But we do. He's got a, we have a, a little tree branch that we have on wheels. I mean, he's part of the family. We've got many critters in our house. We have two dogs, five cats, a Euromastic, and an iguana. So he's a okay. part of our family. He's, he's right in the living room. He's part of everything. He's super intelligent, picks up wording and sounds. I can never tell if my phone's ringing or the front doorbell's going off because he likes to mess with us. He's super cool. The, the big challenge here is that when birds do these kind of behaviors, especially when we have problem biting, we have to really kind of back up and look before this behavior happens. And you said that it kind of starts where he kind of looks cute and coy and drops his head down and wants a little petting. If that is what precedes most of these bite attempts, we need to actually kind of intervene and not give in to that behavior. He's doing that, sets up the pattern for to, you to get bit, we need to try to find something else to redirect his behavior so we don't continue this pattern. So really, it is a matter of kind of taking control of some of the basic commands when it comes to, to birds. And that is, that's kind of going back to the basics of, you know, perching, the up commands, the down commands, and having you be more in control of his world rather than the other way around. Now, if it's a matter of your fingers are going to get destroyed in the process and you're going to be having cuticles bleeding and uh, fingernails coming off and things like that, we don't want that to happen. So we want you to be comfortable and we want you to feel confident as you're working with him. So if you're going to be asking him to come out of the cage or getting him up on your finger, we want you to be doing that comfortably. If if you can't do that, then we use a perch as kind of a a substitute. Um, But I really, when he does that little cute, coy little thing, the last thing you want to do is give in scratch that head and, and a lot of birds you know these kind of cuddling behaviors they're very much a pair bonding behavior so that's what birds do in the wild when they're kind of got their mate and that's a very sexual a very bonding experience so in some cases that can actually be just a little bit too much and we'll see these aggressive behaviors um, kind of become uh, a displaced behavior um, in that in that situation so I would say back off from any kind of cuddling and scratching with him and go mm-hmm. back to the basics of the the perching um and then the cuddling and scratching as much anymore because it often leads to bloodshed and the little man it, is so intelligent that he will yell in my tone tiki no be right before he bites me because he knows that's what's coming next <laughs> tiki no he's a pistol exactly. we love him you know he'll be around forever but I'm tired of bleeding. Exactly. And they are so smart and they understand there's a there's something that's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to hear afterwards. So really right. we may have to stop that pattern of he does that behavior. Do not give in to that. Give him something else to do. We want to give him some other behavior. And that's where giving the basic thing like the step up command is just so important to give him something else to do or to think about. And then also we use food as a reward. So we really want to make sure that If anything, we kind of keep the food a little bit to the side, use food as a treat, 
and a reward when you're having these little training sessions. So I'm not saying starve them, <laughs> but sometimes uh, it's a great motivator. And if he doesn't have a full bowl of food ready for him, he might be more um, primed to work for those extra treats. Um, and, and, you know, one thing, if you haven't looked for this, this is a great resource. I do tell a lot of my bird um, uh, lovers to uh, purchase is a, a book. Basically, it's called... Uh, uh, Birds for Dummies, I believe, is one of the regular old Amazon books out there. But it does have a very nice section on basic bird behavior, and it kind of puts it in the mindset of, you know, this is what my action is, and this is what the bird's going to do, and how do we break some of these cycles? Um, because it is a complicated issue, and gosh, I, you know, we could probably chat for, you know, a good hour or two about some of the different behaviors and how we intervene I could, with I this. I could chew your ear off on, on just, I would like to hang out with somebody else who had an African grade to watch their bird. Because either that's normal or mine's out of his mind. Because, A, he will walk backwards when he's on the floor. He will <laughs> slam his head into the ground and looks like a dinosaur running. I mean, he's hilarious. And he's, oh. he's loved. He, he, he loves us, but he also loves to bite us, which is extremely annoying. Yes, well, they are great comedians, so that's the one thing, and and they, uh, you know, they know that he's getting your attention. So you know, you're laughing, you're entertained, and he's running the show. So um, yeah, as much as it is, you know, we don't want to react to the biting. We don't want to give a negative uh, response because birds don't really respond well to that. As you probably figure it out if you yell at them, uh, it just it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't help anywhere he in that bird back. bond. He heals back, and it sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I guess the question would be is, you know, if he can mimic, uh, you know, arguments between husband and wife, that would be kind of interesting. <laughs> he, he picks up more things than I need to say on the radio. They're, they're <laughs> smart birds. We wish you the best of luck with that. Let us know how that turns out. Have we even taken one call today from line two? Such a neglected phone line. <laughs> it, it really is. And who is on that neglect? Is it Jonathan? Hey, Jonathan. Hello. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks. Where are you? Uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia, South Carolina, checking in with us. I have Dr. Debbie here to answer your vet medical questions. Well, Dr. Debbie, the question is we have a 185-pound great name. Holy uh, moly. He, 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 <laughs> he's a lot of dog. <laughs> not, he's not really fat. You can still see his ribs and all. He's really shown a lot of discomfort in his right hip. Okay. And we're concerned if it's maybe the onset of hip dysplasia or maybe if it could be arthritis or something. Okay. What is he doing exactly? Can you describe for me? Well, when he, it's, it's just when he first gets up from, you know, taking a nap or sleeping. He'll, he's a little, a, little, a little sore, but once he's moving around, it loosens up pretty good, and he's, he's out being his normal self, you know, running around, acting like a, mm -hmm. a huge puppy. <laughs> they are. They're such the Marmaduke dogs. <laughs> yeah. And um, is he actually limping on the leg where he's picking up and favoring his weight bearing on that? Uh, he doesn't really so much pick it up off the ground when he first gets up. He just kind of, you know, he looks like it's a little, a little tender. Like, um, well, certainly. And, and you mentioned he was what six years of age. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, he's, he's five or six. Okay. So, I mean, it's certainly possible what you're describing, that slowness getting up, um, kind of the, it almost looks kind of like someone just uh, putting a little extra push to get up. Um, yep. That certainly can be a sign of basic osteoarthritis or joint pain. So it gets a little tricky is, um, you know, if we can try to make a decision if this is just a hip problem or an osteoarthritis problem because there could be a lot of overlap with that. Hip dysplasia is basically the physical conformation problem in the hips where the hip socket doesn't fit real nice 
with mm-hmm. time, hip dysplasia will lead to osteoarthritis, a lot of the advanced changes. But you can still get an arthritic joint unrelated to a hip dysplasia. So you can get an elbow and knee that's arthritic or even ankles, believe it or not. So um, if you're starting to see those signs, then I would certainly investigate that and see Maybe have your veterinarian take a feel and a look because in older breed large dogs, we always keep on an eye out for the bad stuff like, you know, bone cancers and much more serious things. So we'd want to make sure we get an accurate diagnosis. But if they do feel this is arthritis, then I would say, you know, we may very well need to get your baby on some basic supportive care for arthritic help. And there's a lot of things out there. So there's a lot of good stuff you can try. Um, Something as simple as joint remedies, um, glucosamine products that can not only help people, but help pets. And I'm a firm believer in glucosamine. I take it myself. Um, but that's a basic place. Can join the I mean, kind of mix thing for a couple of weeks now, and I guess it takes a few months for you to be able to really see if there's any help from that. You're you're so right. Yes, it, it's not a quick fix, but it can with time. It builds up in the system, and it can make the pet more comfortable. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Hi, this is Bob Barker on Animal Radio Reminding you to help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. And today we're introducing a brand new segment to Animal Radio. Every other week we have a fear-free expert series segment. And uh, we welcome Dr. Marty Becker, who I salute for uh, really spearheading the fear-free movement. For those that are brand new to Animal Radio, what is fear-free, Doc? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this series with you. We've been friends and partners for so long on so many different things that help animals. And I think this is kind of a culmination of all the 
experience I've had and the people we've met and basically what Fear Free is, is it's looking at the physical and emotional well-being of animals. For far too long, the veterinary profession has just been focused on physical well-being. That's vaccinations, parasite control, clean ears, short nails. When they're sick or injured, we take care of them. But the emotional distress that the animals have, we treated like collateral damage. You know, yeah. yeah, the owner had to drag him in. Yeah, the cat would fly out of the carrier like a furry jack-in-the-box, you know, <laughs> with, with like a hairy hand grenade with hair flying everywhere. But we brought together a group. There's about 175 people on the Fear Free Advisory Group. There's only 73 boarded behaviorists, veterinary behaviorists in the world, and 53 are on the advisory group. Wow. wow. Uh, icons like Temple Grandin, uh, the head of animal cognition at Duke, the head of the animal cognition lab at Columbia, the head of animal cognition at Barnard, people that know about the non-human mind. Basically, what we want to do is make it more like pediatric dentistry or pediatric medicine, how that has changed from the time many of us were little when we were manhandled, manipulated, threatened, and abused until now. I've got a granddaughter that loves to go to the dentist, and that's what we're trying to do for pets. <laughs> when we're talking about Fear Free, you've mostly been talking about how you do it in the veterinarian's office, how veterinarians make it an easier place for the animals to come, and so that they actually want to come to the vet's office. But you are launching the Fear Free Happy Homes. What is that? So I'll give you a little bit about the veterinary side first. You know, it's an online training program that veterinarians take. We'd hope to get 1,000 people the first year. And to date, in 15 months, we have 18,000. Wow. So 18,000, mostly veterinarians and veterinary nurses, what some call technicians, have gone through certification. But what Fear Free Happy Homes is, we can get a pet to have an, a great experience in the veterinary hospital. We say cat, we say dogs will want to come in and cats are neutral. That's our... <laughs> that's just that's, cats. That's, that's our the goal, goal yeah. for cats. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cats aren't going to be fighting to get in, but the dogs will actually fight to get in. But then go home and have fear, anxiety, and stress at home. So fear-free happy homes is reducing fear, anxiety, and stress at home. And it's increasing enrichment activities. That's the happy home part. If I want to make my home a fear-free happy home, where do I go? Is there, you, is there you, a website? Yeah, you'll go to fearfreepets.com. Okay. And, I want to hear the story about Clyde. Okay, this, this is powerful. Clyde was a dog that was a cur hound. Clyde was on the last day. So he's, he was set to be euthanized that day. And there's a group back east called the Underhound Railroad, which I wished I'd have thought of that name. <laughs> he was taken from the south to the north on the Underhound Railroad. And he was in a shelter in Pennsylvania. And a police officer that had been severely injured during an arrest, so she's on full disability, she adopted Clyde, love at first sight, and she takes him through training to be an assistance animal. This one had actually gone through training to do help with activities of daily living, pick things off the floor when she couldn't pick it up, answer the door, bring her the telephone. Then she took it through pet partners and it became an animal-assisted therapy dog, a certified animal-assisted therapy dog. So it's both an assistance animal for her and they do animal-assisted therapy. As part of animal-assisted therapy, you know how that goes. You go to the nursing home or the hospitals, yeah. they got to have a, a freshly groomed coat, they got to have short nails. She takes it to the veterinarian of 10 years, and she walked in, can you, do you guys ever trim dog's nails? Oh, yeah, we do it all the time, yeah. You know, she said, well, it's really hard. Oh, it's a lot easier for us here in the back. They took the dog in the back, she sat down, and all of a sudden she hears Clyde screaming, a scream she'd never heard before, scream at the top of his lungs. A few minutes later, a technician came out, 
drenched in sweat, looked, looked <laughs> shell-shocked, and, and handed her the leash and said, oh, your dog does not like to have its nails trimmed. She goes, it took four of us to trim his nails. So she said, I think we think you need to go see a trainer. So she puts Clyde in the car. Clyde's covered with feces, with urine, with Jeez. his anal gland secretions, and the sweat from these people that were holding him down. And she takes him home, talks to the trainer. Well, the trainer had gone through fear-free certification. So she went to a local veterinary hospital that had people that had become fear-free certified. They had Clyde come in hungry, and they had really high-value food rewards. They had hot deli turkey and easy cheese cheddar and bacon. <laughs> Yum. And, and so he got to just come in and have a treat. They had him on a yoga mat that was impregnated with pheromones. And they, they, since they gauged his weight and everything now, they prescribed a little bit of a sedative. And he was perfectly relaxed. So while they had a pretzel stick up front with a little peanut butter on it, they trimmed his nails. He never stopped wagging his tail. The owner, Jennifer, this this police officer, was just crying with happiness. So sure. Clyde was showing his happiness with his tail. Jennifer was showing her appreciation and happiness with tears. But that shows you the difference. That veterinary hospital that won't change, that continues to treat it like a rodeo or a judo throw or a WWF wrestling match or mixed martial arts, they either need to change or go out of business. If we're looking for a fear-free veterinarian, where are we going to find, how can we locate a fear-free veterinarian? So if you go to fearfreepets.com, there's actually a practice locator on there. It is the Fear Free Movement. Check out fearfreepets.com. We have links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Dr. Marty Becker, I salute you and hope to speak to you again soon. And thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Charlotte Ross on Animal Radio. Please remember to stay and neuter your pets. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Remember, if you have questions about anything you've heard on today's show, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. All updated, all new. It is cool. It is free. And uh, you actually look sexier with the app. Not a lot of people know that is one of the effects. But if you download it to your phone, you look sexier. Mm -hmm. Like, look, do I look sexier than I did before I downloaded it? Of course, you're saying. (laughs) So there's so many reasons to download it. So do it now. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The number of pet-related fraud cases is on the rise. It's not pets using someone else's credit card. This is a different kind of scam, and these reports are coming in from all over the country. 
The latest is in Texas, where a woman's cat mysteriously disappeared from her front porch, where he would take his afternoon nap every day. He was named Romeo because he was so loving. The day after he vanished, the mother, pet parent, put up flyers all over her neighborhood with Romeo's picture and her phone number and all that information. And less than a week later, she did receive a a phone call from a man who left a message asking if there was a reward for Romeo's return. And then a few days later, another call came from a man who claimed to have Romeo. Then they began texting and emailing back and forth over several days. Well, Romeo's owner thought, there's something odd about this. And she asked to see a picture of Romeo. The man sent a photo of two cats, but neither of them looked like Romeo. So more than suspicious at this point, obviously, the owner Googled those photos and she found they were just, you know, generic stock images that are found all over the Internet. The man, after she contacted him again, said that she could get Romeo back for $300 and he even offered to finance the payments over eight months. Incredible to believe, but uh, the woman now says that Romeo, she thinks, is maybe lost forever, but at least she knows that The scammer does not have him. And police say that owner did the right thing. Remember this. Ask questions. Do not send any money to people who do this and report it to police. Veterinarians in Brooklyn, New York, are seeing a big and growing resistance to vaccinating their pets, which may be rooted in the human anti-vaccine movement that falsely claims vaccines may cause autism. Some people apparently truly thought and told their vets that their pet might become autistic if they got their recommended shots. Vets also, you know, obviously would do their homework in telling people this is not the case. And hopefully this thinking is localized in New York because nearby in the states of Pennsylvania and New Jersey, they have not had any widespread reports of this fear to veterinarians who say, Also, that a dog has never been diagnosed with autism, but we did do some research and we even reported this study a few years ago. There there was a study about two years ago by the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists who said that they had found a similar condition to autism in dogs. Keyword similar. The study said this disorder, behavior disorder in dogs, was autism-like, but they never said it was the same disorder. So confusion abounds, and we're guessing it's from there. Eight orphaned newborn hedgehogs, how adorable would those be, have been saved by an unusual rescuer at a zoo in Russia. At first, you know, the humans step in. They tried feeding the babies, and they tried everything, bottles, syringes, you name it. But the baby hedgies still refused to eat until, ta-da, Muska the cat took her turn. Yep, she was nursing her kittens on the zoo grounds, but was soon discovered sneaking over to feed the baby hedgehogs and spend her nights with them. Muska's milk, it turns out, was enough to ensure the baby hedgies all survived, and they are now eating on their own. But still, they say Muska continues to treat the hedgehogs as her own kittens, even when they accidentally prick her. Mm. She loves them. <laughs> we have some video of this over at uh, animalradio.pet and on our Facebook page. It is something to see. Definitely. Wow. Yes. 
Yeah, it's it's not what you would you wouldn't expect those two to come together. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hey, Jan, welcome to the show. Yes, hi. I have Dr. Debbie right here. What's up? Hi. I have a six-year-old version. Hi. Uh, and she will not come to her name. What's her name? Her name is, I call her Sugar Baby. That might be it. She doesn't answer to anything, anything at okay. all. And I know she can hear because of loud sounds and the doorbell and all that. And she runs. But mm-hmm. she will not come to anything that I call her. The only okay, time she... I can get her attention is uh, a shaker with treats in it. There you go. There you go. You just hit upon it. Cats don't respond and listen like a dog does. So you know that there's an old saying that dogs will come when they're called and cats will ask you to leave a message. And it is so true. It is so true. Cats have to have a motivation because naturally they're just kind of that kind of critter that they hang back and say, what? You want me to do what? So if she doesn't care for the name, that's the other thing. So some, some general tips when you name a pet, whether it's a dog or a cat, we want to keep it short. So we want to have one to two syllables. You don't want to make it a very long, drawn-out name. Um, uh-huh. Preferably, um, we try to end the name on a vowel, especially because that makes our voice kind of um, rise at the end. So we say uh-huh. frisky. We say baby, and your voice goes up, and it helps to kind of keep their attention while you're calling them. And then we also mm-hmm. want to make sure you don't want to use anything that sounds like people's names in the homes or any bad words uh, <laughs> or anything else mm-hmm. where it might sound like a command. So in a cat, you have a special situation because you have to get over this hurdle of motivation. And mm-hmm. most things in the cat world rely and circulate around food. So that is the great motivator for cats. And mm-hmm. I would encourage you, if you're, if it's important for you, for the cat to mm-hmm. come when you're calling, then you work towards that by using food rewards. And mm-hmm. preferably that is done where you limit the amount of actual food that's available at that time. So you don't want a cat that can go up to the food bowl, graze, and say, oh, thank you, I'm quite full right now. I don't really want to perform. So you... Uh, Cut back a little bit on the food or preferably do this uh, little play sessions, training sessions before you put that food down. Um, mm-hmm. And then y- use your command, come, um, start it off with her name, uh, hopefully something cute like baby, uh, Snooky or whatever. And yeah, then I call use- her, yeah, I call her baby. Yeah. Okay. And then use the command and give the food reward afterwards. And it's, it takes a lot of time for cats to get this compared to dogs just because, you know, they kind of lose interest. Uh Um, But you want to make sure you pair it with food, pair it with food and preferably something really yummy, tasty, those treats that you wouldn't Uh give normally, you give when you want to work with her and her name. Uh Uh, And you can, Uh you can even do clicker training for cats, believe it or not. Um, if, uh, uh, if you work on it, Uh you are her servant. You have to remember that. She's a grazer, so she doesn't eat a lot at a time. And I do substitute a different cat food, the kibbles, instead of treats, because I, I end up giving her too many. And mm-hmm. so she loves them. She thinks they're a treat. So I just put it in the little shaker and and shake it, and she comes. Um, so 
That's her motivation. That's all that she's looking for. Good, okay. good, good luck with that. We have uh, four cats well, in the studio, and uh, one of them actually comes for its medicine. We can call. We can actually let the cat outdoors and call it to come like a dog. So, but then the other cats, uh-huh. they wouldn't give us the time of day on a bed. Yeah, I know. Um, my daughter's got a couple cats, and they all come to their name. Mm. Yeah. She's lucky. She's lucky. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can work this out. Let us know how it works out. We're, we're curious to I find will. out if Dr. Debbie's advice really works or not. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Hal. Voice of confidence there. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Of course it does. She is our vet, by the way, and we trust her implicitly with your animals. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Cats have been blamed for triggering asthma attacks in humans for years. But now vets are blaming humans for giving their cats allergies. Veterinarians in Scotland are finding that dusty homes, uh uh-oh, cigarette smoke and even human dandruff can irritate the lungs of a cat and trigger allergies. Cats with feline asthma syndrome have symptoms just like humans. They cough, wheeze, and have shortness of breath. It affects 1 in 200 cats and is more common in pedigree oriental breeds like Siamese cats. Researchers are studying the similarities in cat and human asthma patients to better help treat the illness. But in the meantime, I better start dusting. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. (laughs) If it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. 你在收听的是《Animal》，如果你没听过我们的节目，请你去收听《Animal》，然后你去下载《Animal》，然后你去下载《Animal》，然后你去下载《Animal》，然后你去下载《Animal》，然后你去下载《Animal》，然后你去下
Hi, good. So you have a pet duck, don't you? Yeah, she's sitting in my lap right now. <laughs> Why? Well, it all kind of started <laughs> when I decided to hatch some some duck, duck ducks for my kids that were graduating in high school, uh-huh. which I, I already had a home for these ducks to go to. Never hatch ducks unless you have a home, unless you're going to keep them. So you, had, you were going to have an empty nest, and you didn't want an empty nest. Right. I was doing it kind of as a celebration as my kids graduating, but it also gave me something to look forward to, <laughs> looking forward to them graduating. The duck has turned into a family, a family member, a pet of your family. It has. What's like, the duck's name? Diva. The Diva. Name, the name of is, course. Well, Diva duck. <laughs> Diva one. wears a diaper. Where, do they make diapers for ducks? They actually make, um, they're called harness, they're harnesses that they make to put on a duck, and you put a baby diaper in it. Wow. Really? They actually make yes. those. So now, is this your only pet duck? Yes, it is. It is my first and only pet duck. Do they like to be around other ducks? Is she lonely duck? Well, they do. I Unless you can spend a lot of time with your duck, I do not recommend <laughs> having just one duck. I am. I do not work outside the home, so I am in and out all day. So I have a lot of lot more time I can spend with her than what a lot of people could. I don't know much about ducks. Are they social animals? They are. They are very social animals. They're social animals like dogs are social animals. I understand you've taken the uh, ducks to, or you've taken Diva to PetSmart and to Target and to Walmart and to the mall and Barnes and Noble all around, huh? Yes, I do. I, I get her out at least once a week around in the public. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm actually raising her to to use and volunteer work. That's what my goal is. Oh, like a therapy duck. Yes, yes, like a therapy duck. Are there programs and certifications for ducks? There actually are not certifications for a duck. There was a certification, national certification, that they did it until 2010. For ducks? Yes, they did. So they they were doing them up until 2010. They stopped in 2010. They said that there wasn't enough research. But I do have talked to, there is one place in the nation that you that was certified under them that are still certified. They were grandfathered in. And I have been talking to them regularly, finding out what I need to do so that my duck is re- ready to be a type of therapy duck. Does uh, Diva sleep in bed with you? Or how does that work? No, she doesn't sleep in bed with me. She sleeps in, I have a baby playpen that she sleeps in. <laughs> okay. Well, what kind of reaction do you get from people when you take her out? Well, you know, at first they... I have a pet stroller I carry her in, and at first, you know, they walk by thinking it's either a baby or, you know, it's a dog, and then they usually take a second look, and, and they're like, oh, it's a duck, and then they want they want to come over and find out about her, and they want to pet her, and they're just fascinated for her. I understand Diva has an Instagram page. She does have an Instagram page. She can be found at DivaDuck01. A lot of the pictures I'm that I put on Instagram lately, I've decided to make my own photo book called Diva's Rules um, of Diva, doing different things, um, so that when I take her, take her around kids, I can read that book and they can see different things that she's done. Like, for example, we went to the fire station last week and one of the got a picture with a fire truck and fireman, and one of those rules is going to be Diva says, don't play with matches. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have pictures from when she was a baby. I have videos of her walking in her diaper and she has shoes that she wears. Um, oh my gosh, I have to hear about the duck shoes. <laughs> well, the duck shoes are for if she's ever walking on a slippery surface, I don't want her to slip. So they have shoes that they can wear that keeps gives some traction. And they are made specifically for ducks. 
They make them for chickens also. Yes, they make them for chickens and ducks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, I'm learning so much. You know, after, what, 17 years yeah. of doing this show, I this is the first time I've heard of such a thing. But apparently it seems to be working. So what does your family think of all this? Do they think you're ducky? Yes, they do. <laughs> they might think I'm a little quacky. <laughs> yeah. Did, is your husband in on this? I mean, does he, is he okay with it? Yes, he is. I mean, at first when I told him, hey, honey, I think I want a pet duck that stays in the house some. <laughs> But I take out in public. You know, I think that probably at first was kind of like, you what? But he saw how happy it's made me. And he, he's seen how happy it's made other people that I think he's he's now okay with it. Does Diva and your husband get along? Yes. Good. They do. Yes. Well, I'm going to go post pictures over at animalradio.pet. I encourage listeners to check out the web, uh, the Instagram page. We'll put links to the Instagram page over at animalradio.pet. And Shelly, give Diva a big old hug, a gentle hug, of course, from all of us here at Animal Radio. Okay. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks so much for visiting with us. Thank you. Okay. Why not? A volunteer duck. Diva duck that wears diapers and shoes. And ducks love insects, right? I mean, aren't they like chickens that they... Oh, I guess so. Boy, bring them in your house. They'd keep it clean. As long as they were wearing a diaper on the other end. They actually make shoes and diapers for ducks. Who knew? There you go. It has just flown by. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Just a great app to have anyway. It will inform you if there's any recalls or news uh, that you need to know for your pet's health. So it's a free download, so there's no reason why you shouldn't download it. Go download it now. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Next time. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.